So you meet a woman online. I love her. I just love her. But it turns out thousands of other people are in love with her too. Janessa Brasil. Janessa Brazil. Janessa Brazil. One woman's image is being used by criminals to target innocent people looking for love online. You win their hearts, you win their wallets. Love, Janessa. My wild quest to find her. The unwitting human face of a digital con from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. This is a CBC podcast. Victory is within reach. We're going to do it. We're going to get the remaining Hamas terrorist battalions in, in Rafah, which is the last bastion. But we're going to do it. And in this, I agree with the Americans. Uh, we're going to do it while providing safe passage for the uh, civilian population so they can leave. Not if, but when. Despite concerns raised by the international community and the pleas of people living in Gaza, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says an invasion of Rafah is imminent. The city's population has swelled to 1.4 million since the war started, after the Israeli military ordered people to evacuate their homes elsewhere in the Gaza Strip. Yusuf Hamash and his family are among those who fled south to Rafah looking for safety. He is an advocacy officer for the Norwegian Refugee Council. Hello. Hello, Rebecca. Yusuf, tell us what your night was like and, and the morning. Alhamdulillah, last night was a bit acceptable comparing to the previous night when the Israelis start this massive operation in, in, in Rafah. That's continuous bombardment uh, since midnight up to the early morning, and the attack targeted more than 15 houses and several other areas. But, يعني, and that was a huge concern for us because everyone is hoping that this military offensive is not going to take place in Rafah. And that was an indication that they are, they are going to expand it. Actually, we didn't have any clue about what was going on because the bombing was everywhere and all the understanding, our understanding was that they are starting officially in, in Rafa. But يعني, then last night we had a bit calmer night than the previous one. Few bombing around Rafa, but more most the intensity is more in Khan Yunus. But Khan Yunus and Rafa are somehow connected to each other. There is no distance between both of them. As you've mentioned, there were heavy airstrikes on the weekend with with Israeli forces. They rescued two hostages. At least 60 people in Rafa were killed. What what was it like while you were there and that was all happening? All of that started suddenly and after the middle of the night, around around 1 a.m. And all what we are hearing is massive explosions and like almost an earthquake that the land was shaking, but unfortunately we didn't know what's going on around us because lack of connectivity and we didn't have electricity or connection to understand what's going on around us. And It was very intense up to that. I wasn't able to get my head out of the window to see what's going on and where is this targeting because it literally was everywhere all across Rafah. And then in the early morning we understood that there was an, uh, an operation and they were rescued two hostages and all of that, but at the beginning we didn't understand any of that and that was what make us think that they already started the, the offensive in, in Rafa. You have two small children. If you yourself and everyone there doesn't understand what's happening, what do you tell your kids? Unfortunately, what my children and the, uh, the children in Gaza, which have more than half of the population are children, are going through horrific, terrifying experience and circumstances dealing with what was, what's going on around us. And we, we ran out of justifications in front of our children about what what's around us and what's going on and why we are here. And everyone in Rafah at least have been displaced and forced to flee up to five times at least. And from a 
from one area to the other, just looking for the sense of safety because there is no safe place in, in all over Gaza. But when we have been displaced in Rafah, the, the main reason for that was to have just a sense of safety. And, and we lost it since they start to talk about expanding the military operation in Rafah. Even that lost sense of safety that we were fleeing from a place to the other to have it, we, we lost it. And I, I, I imagine as adults, we are we are we don't have the mental stability to deal with the situation around us. So imagine how it's going to be the situation for our children. They are paying the highest price, unfortunately. Hmm. And and so how do you react when you hear Benjamin Netanyahu say there will be safe passage for civilians to leave Rafah? Yani the question is that where. All over Gaza is it's a land of rubble. Yani 60% of the houses, housing units were destroyed in Gaza. The main, the remaining 40% are mainly in Rafah. So it's a land of rubble. There is no access for the northern part and Gaza City. The only area available now is the middle area because Khan Yunus, there is a military operation on the ground. The middle area is already stuffed with people. More than half a million or more, they exceed the number of that because since a few days we are seeing a lot of families Thousands of families are evacuating currently from Rafah to the middle area, mostly families who are already originally from the middle area. But people like me and the majority of the people here from the northern part of Gaza and Gaza City and Khanunis recently, we don't have that option. And there's no enough space in the middle area to have all that amount of people. Even in Rafah as a city, we, we, there is no enough space for all that amount of people who are currently displaced in Rafah. So literally everything is destroyed in all over Gaza. There is no infrastructure or no access for water. Even here in Rafah, we had the same issue that we are dealing with. And f- families since weeks trying to adapt themselves during the circumstances that we are going through, at least just to cover the basic needs, which is having access for a water for water, or at least using a bathroom or managing the basic needs for the children. But now that option that we have here at Rafah, we will lose it. And if you look to the northern part of Gaza and Gaza City, there is literally a famine there. People used to eat animal food and even the animal food is not available anymore. So what are the options that have been mm. put in place in front of us as people who are displaced in Rafah? We, we, we don't have an option. It's unrealistic that we are going to be displaced from a place to the other because there is no enough space for anyone. Yusuf, I want to talk a little bit more about what life is like right now. You talk about trying to feed your family. What, how do you do that right now? Uh, the situation is chaotic in Rafah. When we go every day to find our basic needs, we don't go with a wish list. Whatever we find, we buy. Unfortunately, even if you have some affordability, the prices are crazy expensive. And I don't think 10% of the population here have the financial ability to, to buy their needs. So mainly families here in Rafah relying on the humanitarian aid. And unfortunately, all of what we can get through Rafah is barely covering 10% of the need. So it's, it's, it's very challenging. You need a few hours every day from your day. Either you stand in, in line to have drinking water or stand in line to get some food or looking, surfing around, finding a medicine, for example, which is very rare now. It's really, it's almost an impossible mission on a daily basis to cover the daily need. Add to that the horror that we are going through mentally because we don't, we don't know what's going to happen next. What, are, what is the option that we have as people in Rafah? We are locked in that small piece of land. From one side, we have the Israeli tanks, the military operation in Khan Yunus, and the other side, we have the Egyptian border. And we are locked in between trying to survive on a daily basis. Hmm. What, what do you feel aid age organizations can do right now? Is there anything anyone can do on the ground right now to help this impossible situation? 
يعني we have we spend huge efforts and that's that's a huge concern actually we 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 spend huge efforts all over across the past few weeks to establish and start to operate to serve people in need in Rafah because then the need is huge it's massive but we are trying and we'll keep trying but the main issue for here if they are starting an, an offensive in Rafah we the only access point that we have for the entire Gaza Strip is Rafah crossing or Kerem Shalom both are in Rafah which is the only access for aid what are going to happen for the aid that it's barely covering 10% if an offensive started in Rafah. How we are going to provide aid for families here? We were demanding to increase the number, the amount of trucks that we allowed on a daily basis. Now, for example, the average now is 150 trucks per day. And we are demanding and asking for at least 1,000 trucks per day to start recovery process for families who are in need. Unfortunately, even these 150 truck through Rafah crossing or Kerem Shalom are at risk if there is a military operation will start. Yusuf, we we have to go here shortly, but but before we do, I just I know you've done dozens of interviews just like this one. Why why are you doing so many interviews? It it must be exhausting. Yeah, and to be honest, I it's part of. I, I used to work as a journalist because before I was working, I started working as a humanitarian. But also for me. I, I'm really interested and to the world, the Western world, to know exactly what's going on because the only hope for us is the people outside. We lost faith in all of... We, we tried everything. UN Council, world leader, international community, ICG, everything. So I think the only hope for us is the people and that's what gave me a responsibility to start, to keep telling and informing what's going on here. So we, we start, we keep, we, we still have that glimmer of hope from the people outside that they will they will advocate and stand hard with us stopping this madness. Okay. Yusuf, take care. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yusuf Hamash is advocacy officer for their Norwegian Refugee Council. He is in Rafa with his family. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.